I'm Claire. And I'm Natalie. And we are a licensed psychologist and licensed school psychologist and a pediatric occupational therapist. And we are here to talk to you about stories of kids and adolescents who have maybe some struggles with development or disabilities, and also the parents and the caregivers and the teachers and the therapists who love them and work with them. We've divided this podcast up into two parts. So the first part is focused more on stories and experiences that we have and that parents have shared with us about their child um, with special needs. And then the second part, we delve into more details about those experiences and what we would do with them clinically if you want some more information on that. Yep. I think that's it. Goodbye. The following message is brought to you by our lawyers. A Little Cerebral is a podcast documenting a conversation between a psychologist and a pediatric occupational therapist. This is intended as a conversation between two colleagues. We are not providing legal, medical, educational, or any other advice, recommendations, or treatments through this podcast. Have you ever seen the movie Emperor's New Groove? No. It's a cartoon movie, and it's like back before cartoon movies were computerized. And it is so funny. And there's this part in it where the guy, one of the guys, main characters, I haven't seen it in a really long time, makes up his own theme song to how he's moving. And it's pretty much my favorite thing ever. So everyone should go back and and (laughs) watch Emperor's New Groove. I will. Uh, Is that the one with like Greek... Greek heroes or Greek demigods or Greek gods or am I thinking of it? Honestly, the only thing I remember about the movie is that part. Uh, Okay, (laughs) that's fine. I'll suggest it to my kids. I'll suggest it to my kids. And then they'll suggest Disney Plus like every day. They're like, hey, you know, it'd be a good idea. I'm like, what? If we got Disney Plus. And every day I fall (laughs) for it. Every day I forget that they (laughs) 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 So if it's on Mm. Disney Plus, I'm sure we'll watch it. Um, yeah. Okay. Go on. Yeah. Okay, theme song. So I was in. thinking theme song. Yeah. So then I was thinking like, okay, so we have, if we use something that's copyrighted, right, we have to pay someone, but here's my question. Is chopsticks copyrighted? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it is. I'm sure it is. Cause it's oh. a com- actually composed song. Is it? Um, is really that's what you think of our pot when you think of our podcast you think of chopsticks no. i'm thinking of like mission impossible i was thinking more like what can we both play on the piano so maybe i'm confusing chopsticks <laughs> and am i confusing chopsticks and um heart and soul what's the one where two people play oh, together you're confusing chopsticks and heart and soul plus can't i mean no offense but i think the time and effort it would take for us to coordinate a piano duet um true no offense, but one of us is a piano teacher and one of us isn't. And I don't want to point fingers <laughs> or label. <laughs> but for one of us, it's going to take a lot longer to figure that out. Okay, got it. I think we should just go with like 007 Mission Impossible. That was my wedding dance theme yeah, song. Then- it's like two minutes and 48 seconds. It's perfect. Yeah, but then we have to pay Tom Cruise, right? Um, I mean, I don't know. We only have like two listeners. Okay, true. That's true. What am I worried about? <laughs> like, like, anybody's ever going to listen to this? And, maybe um, we'll, maybe if we get really popular, we'll have to change it. Or then okay. we can do, how about this? We get popular and I will do the duet. You'll do the duet that? with me? Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, yeah. Okay. And 
uh, there's pretty good chance we won't get popular. And there's also, I think there's a better chance. <laughs> I think there's a better chance that we'll forget we had this conversation and there's never going to be a theme song. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, realistically. Yeah. yeah there's but I'm pretty into song. it right now in this moment. Okay. I'm pretty psyched. All right. Well, let that, let that like, um, what do they say? Fester. Let that like fester or like stew in the Probably back not of your fester. mind. Stew. Fester. Stew is better. Yeah. Fester is like a wound. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's that. Um, I have a mouse update for you. Yes. Let's okay. So you lose. That's my update. Um, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. after you took Mousy Pants's side, I felt yeah. very compelled to win. <laughs> and <laughs> you mean to kill her? Well, that wasn't like plan A. Um, so I had to take my car apart. I had to take the forerunner apart. I had to take the ceiling, like the headliner. That's like the carpet on your ceiling. I had to take that out. Um, so I watched a YouTube video and they said it would take 45 minutes. So it took me three hours. And oh my God, <laughs> I know I don't, I mean, I guess I'm just like learning. I don't know much about this stuff, but I'm learning through YouTube. And so then, um, I took a bunch of stuff out and then we found, okay, are you, it's kind of gross. Are you ready? Okay. You haven't been like, um, eating anything. Okay. Yeah, okay, I were, yeah. Okay, but there are four nests. Oh my god, four? Four. And two had babies and they were on opposite sides of the car. And it was funny because the nests were lined up by like front driver's side, front passenger side, rear driver's side, rear passenger side. <laughs> they had it like lined up symmetrically. It was really oh funny. Oh my god. Yeah, and there were two mice. So um so we got we took the babies out, we put them in a box, we put the nest stuff in there and then we put it under this porch that we have that's pretty low like maybe the mom would get the mice but I don't think so mice now, your that. Ha- now your house has mice no it was under a, no it was under a porch it was under a porch and, just like some um, your neighbor's porch you're like found these baby mice <laughs> oh so weird I don't know where they came from yeah um, I don't know it's just like in this box it has my name but it's totally a coincidence <laughs> I have like my address on it but it's really no big deal <laughs> Um, so no, we put him under the foot and my poor son was really worried about him. Like all, like all afternoon. And then the next like morning right away, he got up early to check on him and they were still alive. And the mom hadn't fed them because they were even more squeaky than before. So, um, I wasn't going to like let them die of exposure. Um, and I did not want to euthanize them myself. So I took them to a rehab place and they, um, fortunately, unfortunately they had to euthanize them. Oh, at Greenwood? Yeah, Greenwood. Yeah. Right. Why did but they have to euthanize them? They're too little. They're like oh, really, so they really little. Yeah. So sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but at least it was like a compassionate euthanization. Like, cause I was trying to think, how do I like, seriously, how do I like instantly kill baby? I don't even want to think about killing baby mice. Right. Yeah. But I also don't right. want to let them starve. So like, what do I do with them? Uh, well, so what happened to the mom? She just couldn't find them? Uh, oh, Claire. What? The, okay, I do not want mice in my car. So, yeah, I set like a mouse trap. <laughs> I set two mice traps. Oh, and my I got God. Let me tell you, though, they were like instant kill mouse traps. Yeah, I can't have mice in my car. I can't. But, like, like if you move the nests, wouldn't the mice move? Wouldn't the mommy no. mice move? No, because she had been there for a long time before she had babies. Oh. I know. I feel bad about doing that, but I, I mean, like, what are you going to do? 
You know, like I, I even had like a no kill mousetrap underneath my car to like lure them away from my car. And I tried like all the things you're supposed to do, like peppermint and you know, yeah. all these things. It just, I, I really don't like to kill things if they, I don't have to because it's a life, yeah. right? Right. But, but I also don't want a mouse in my car. So I kind of feel bad about that. But, yeah. I mean, if we were a popular podcast, I might have to worry about <laughs> the outrage. However, since I think almost every single listener is somebody we're either related to or friends with. Oh um, my God, that's so I funny. I know. I think we'll be all right. Except, you know what? Matthew's girlfriend listens to the podcast. Oh, wow. So, well, thank you, Matthew's yeah. girlfriend. Thanks, Matthew's girlfriend. Well, this, we could even yeah. just keep it as like a general Matthew's girlfriend, and then maybe yeah. we could recruit other Matthew's girlfriends. Yeah, right. Well, Matthew's girlfriend, why don't you find some more friends of yours <laughs> and tell them to listen to our podcast? <laughs> oh, man. I'm crushing it right now. I know. Obviously. Okay. I'll, yeah, sorry. We should focus. Okay. okay. I'm focused. Yeah. Tell me. Okay, so we're going to talk about feeding today mm -hmm. and what that entails from an occupational perspective is really there's two things that it comes down to. And I see a lot of clients both with diagnoses and without diagnoses who have difficulty either with some sort of feeding, either it's the eating part of it or it's the taking a long time to eat or it's avoidance of certain foods, or it's craving other foods. And so there's never just one thing that goes into it. And there are a lot of feeding specialists. So I always refer to an OT who is a feeding specialist. But at the same time, I think for a child of any age, I always start from all my treatments, not just with feeding, but looking at what could be going on on the inside of the child because there can be mechanics at play that can impact how that child is able to chew, swallow, and breathe, which all impact what foods that child is going to readily eat and what the child is going to avoid. Now, that's the me more mechanic side of things. Did you have something you wanted to... So. Yeah, am I making a face like I want to? Yeah, you're like, like making the like. I'm like hey. almost raising my yeah. almost raising my hand sort of leaning <laughs> yeah, forward. Yeah. yeah, I can't um, see through your halo. <laughs> you're raising your hands right into your halo. <laughs> oh yeah, it's true. It would be hard to see if I put my hand yeah. here. Um, okay, so my question is this: When you say mechanics, do you mean coordination? Um, I think that the mechanics. No, I'm talking about like the structural mechanics. That can yes. impact coordination, but not necessarily. So I think of mechanics as there's a structural com component. And then for coordination, there's a, a cerebellum component, among other things. And so if you have a processing issue, that can obviously impact coordination. But if you have a structural issue, that can also impact coordination. Now, if I, if I fix the processing issue... Let's just say, so the cerebellum is processing information correctly and I can coordinate movements of my tongue. However, I still have a structural deficiency. So, for example, I have a tongue tie. Then even if I'm able to move my tongue in terms of the coordinated movement aspect and, and how I can process information to execute that movement, I still am unable to move it effectively because of the structure. Okay, got it. 
that makes so, sense. So yeah, mm-hmm. I always start with a structural piece. Okay. So things that I look for, just and this is, it's a little bit above maybe layman's layman's terms, but it's certainly not at the level like I haven't taken any continuing education classes on feeding. I have talked to a bunch of dentists about airway issues, and that's kind of as far as my knowledge goes. Mm-hmm. So for structure, I always look for tongue tie. I look for a lip tie and a buckle tie. Okay. Buckle tie is between the, basically your lower teeth and okay. your cheeks. So okay. it's essentially like tying your cheeks closer to your teeth. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this is kind of like run your tongue along like the outside bottom of your molars. Okay. That's your, what would be a buckle tie. Okay. Got it. Were you going to say something else? Well, yeah, I was going to say like for people who like chew, you know, like chew tobacco, it's like Mm -hmm. that area. It's like the area where they put chew. Yeah. You like, that's where you stuff the tobacco. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So you look for a tongue tie. Now, how do you know that your child has a tongue tie? Well, you have to get it evaluated, obviously, but uh, by like a pediatric dentist or someone who really has taken a lot of continuing education courses in uh, tethered oral tissues, which include those three ties I just mentioned. Now, things to look for if your child has a tongue tie would be, are they breathing through their mouth? And as a result, and we've talked about this a little bit before, when that child sits down to eat, they're going to take a really long time to eat because if they are relying on breathing through their mouth and then they put food in their mouth, the way that they're used to breathing is occluded. And so they either try to like shovel food in or they are really, um, they only prefer foods that dissolve in their mouth really quickly. Like an example would be Cheerios where you don't really have to do anything. It just dissolves and you could swallow it. Um, and they, or applesauce? Um, applesauce, yes. That would be probably one that they would like. It kind of depends because foods also that can get stuck on different parts of the mouth are generally not preferred as well. Um, but typically this child will talk, talk, talk at mealtimes and avoid eating because it's unpleasant. Or the child will kind of like shovel food in. But generally, it takes a very long time for this child to chew. and doesn't like to hold the food in the mouth. Now, that's the only, not the only reason. It's not like, oh, my child does this. Now they have a tongue tie. That's not true. But it's something to look at. And so that's more of like just a general structure. That was That's the first type of structure I would look at. Um, you know, I'm sure there are some like other things that can impact like the chewing mechanism and how you move your tongue, I don't know them. So I can't really speak any further into that. I can't speak further into that. But from a sensory point of view, what's interesting, it's sort of like the chicken and the egg. So if I have a tongue tie and I have a really hard time moving my tongue around my mouth, which means that I prefer to mouth breathe and also I'm unable to kind of chew properly like let's say I can't rotary chew I chew more like a dog straight up and down well then I look like this yeah exactly just straight up and down 
Okay. Yeah. So I'm unable to like basically masticate my food enough to swallow it. And so then I'm more prone to choking. And when you have a choking experience, it's really scary or gagging. And because of that, then that child will start to avoid foods like that. Like, so for example, my son must have choked on, so both my sons had had tongue ties. My youngest also had a lip tie um, and they did have buckle ties as well. So they're basically all tied. My eldest went undiagnosed for a while. He didn't get his tongue tie released until maybe he was like two and a half. So he was gag. He'd gag on food a lot, and he must have gagged on some corn at some point because he avoids corn. Now, corn's a very weird thing to avoid because it's very tiny. You could almost swallow it whole, and it's taken a while for him to successfully be able to chew and swallow corn for him to actually eat it. But he was saying for a long, like for a whole year, he was like, "I don't like corn. I'm not eating it." Like. And we just couldn't figure out why. And I think it's because of the experience. Like, mm-hmm. So that can happen. Now, you can obviously have a child who doesn't have any structural deficiencies, like doesn't have a tongue tie, and avoids foods. And that can be more related to a sensory processing issue. Um, we've talked about some of this, but I would say that the most common would be having a lower brainstem processing uh, difficulty that results in a child who is quote-unquote high arousal, which means that the child just overreacts or has a tendency to overreact to input because it's overwhelming to the brainstem. The brainstem's unable to process it. So basically that child is kind of always on edge because the brainstem is, is telling that child that they are unsafe. Now, this looks like an avoidance of textures, um, a lot of times. So textures includes touch and what goes into the mouth. Mm-hmm. So if I have, if, if you have a child who is sensitive to touch, they're most likely also going to be sensitive to foods in their mouth too. So it's mm-hmm. not just like sensitive to touch on the skin. It's also sensitive in the mouth. Um, and that's just an indication of a lower brainstem processing issue. So you can also have uh, an upper brainstem processing issue and into the midbrain, which has to do more with difficulties with discrimination. Like I can't tell how hard I'm being touched, where I'm being touched. Um, and that also includes areas of the mouth too. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, I, I think we talked about this in another episode and it's somewhat related, but, um, so like if a kid looks, do you remember we had that client and the teacher thought that they were breaking crayons on purpose? I think I brought this up before. And so that would have been like probably upper brainstem, midbrain, right? Because they couldn't tell how hard they were pushing on crayons. And so the teacher responded as if they were being like malicious and mm-hmm. um, oppositional. And then of course that shapes a person's behavior. But it sounds like the, in the same way that like something like, looking like you're breaking pencils or breaking crayons because you're pushing down and you can't really get that feedback. So essentially that same thing is happening in the mouth with foods. Correct. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Let's just talk about they'll avoid certain foods. And generally those foods are foods that kind of can go anywhere in the mouth and and not a specific part of the mouth. Or, um, you know, there's a whole kind of sensory diet that can go along with just oral input too 
in general, sucking is very calming. Um, things that are crunchy or sour or more alerting. So if you have more of an anxious child, you're going to stick with more like bland flavors. It kind of makes sense if you just think about it. Sucking mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is going to help calm. And for like a child who is more typically ADHD to help get their system more alert, you're going to focus more on foods that are like spicy and sour and crunchy and kind of like waking up the system. Right. <laughs> yeah. My, my oldest son, who's, um, I know that these are not correct terms. So I have like, I would say sensory, like sensory sensitive, right. And sensory defensive. Like my oldest kid always needs input and my youngest kid is overwhelmed by certain kinds of input. So I think I've told you, like we went, oh yeah, we, I told you we went to the beach and like the, it was muddy. And my oldest son was like craving the mud. Like he was like up to his shoulders in the mud almost. And my other yeah, son wouldn't yeah. even walk and like, yeah. Okay. So, so my oldest son, um, he really likes hot sauce. So we actually have like two different kinds of hot sauce in the house. And like, they put both of them actually put hot sauce on everything, even the other one. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the other thing too, is you can't just ever say that one thing like correlates to another thing. This is very general. So you could also mm-hmm. have a child who can't feel what's going on in his or her mouth. And as a result, maybe prefer spicy food because at least they can feel something or they can like, you know, so there could be other things. This is more just like general. If you have, yeah, it's just very generalized and parents know, you know, you know your child the best, of course. But I think the the takeaway is I always start with the structure. And if you have a child who kind of fits that either high arousal um, profile or more of that like ADHD profile, then their food preferences will probably line up with that. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot, just don't fall into the category of like, oh, my child only has like oral defensiveness or only has like, you know, only craves these kinds of foods. And that's, don't separate that from other kinds of touch. Because it should be the same. The way it's processed is the same. Okay. Can you say so more So a about lot that? of people will just like focus. Some, some therapists mm-hmm. or some like activities will just focus on oral. Or, mm-hmm. or they will just focus on touch on the skin. Oh, I see. So you just have to think of them. It's easier to think about them as one touch processing system. Okay. Versus like in my mouth or around my mouth is different from on my skin. Got it. Now you're, I have to say like in your mouth, it's obviously very sensitive. You have a lot of touch receptors in your mouth and around your mouth, right? Like same mm-hmm. with on your hands. Um, so there's places on your body where you're going to feel more touch than others because of how many receptors you have. Oh, However, the, the way it's processed is the same. Okay. So... What you're saying, like, I want to say, like, two things about that. So just to make sure I understand. So what you're saying is that if somebody is treating somebody and they're working on touch, that they need to be comprehensive. It can't just be oral or it can't just be, like, skin muscle, right? It needs to be comprehensive and include both because essentially it's the same system working for both. I think if you want to get the biggest bang for your buck and cover everything, then yes, that's the most comprehensive approach. Um, I think it would be interesting to talk to a feeding 
specialist because their specialty is oral input, right? Mm -hmm. And so if a child is orally defensive, they'll most likely just focus on the oral structures. However, if a child comes to me and says, and and presents as orally defensive, you know, I'm going to check because that child is probably also just like touch defensive Mm -hmm. um, or has some other things going on that I can group together that would indicate a specific processing difficulty, not just for a certain like area of the body or a certain system. Like I, I don't just see children who just are sensitive with their ears or just sensitive to light with their eyes or just sensitive to foods. Um, it's a whole, it's how the brain processes information. So you have all these senses that come in and it's still processed in your brain. Does that make so sense? And a lot of yeah, people treat the senses as separate from each other. Okay. And they are, but the way they're processed is the same. It's still the same thing. Okay. And that, so that's how you would have like, probably more, um, you'd see more of an outcome if you're more comprehensive, because it sounds like you would be, it would be a lot of different ways of rewiring or habituating a person to the things that they have a hard time with, right? It's just a more generalized approach to changing how the brain processes all of those inputs from all the different senses versus focusing on like hearing sensitivities or focusing just on like oral sensitivities. Now, I think there's also a time and a place for that, of course, but where to start is really looking at how is the brain processing all of this information? Okay. I had another question for you and, oh, nope, I remember it. I had forgotten it and now it came back to me, probably because it's earlier in the day. So (laughs) you're just so brilliant. (laughs) No, I just do better. I do better (laughs) earlier than later because my son, like the day hasn't defeated me yet. So (laughs) you're still in like, yeah, you're still very like optimistic. I'm like at the end of my day. I'm like, wah, wah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, My question was, okay, so you were talking about how, so certain areas, because they're more sensitive, for example, the mouth or around the mouth versus like maybe, I don't know, your shoulders. Um, So earlier you were talking about, you may see the same pattern um, of touch, like orally and with other areas of touch, but there might be exceptions to that. And it sounds like because the mouth is more sensitive, there may be different behaviors, even if there's a there's um, a tactile part with both, right? There may be different behaviors because the mouth is more sensitive. So would it like maybe change? So you'd see things in more of an extreme or you'd see less of things that you see in other parts of the body? Um, I don't think I'm sure exactly what you're asking, but I do think that Food is a really big thing that parents pick up on right away because if your child isn't eating or isn't eating certain foods, that's like a big thing. It's it's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. If your child is avoiding touch, it can be less obvious. It, they can just be that child who doesn't really like hugs. Yeah. And, um, you know, or like maybe gets upset when they get bumped in line. But if your child isn't eating, that's a, that's a big issue. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, it feels immediate. Even um, if your your child could still be more defensive to touch. Okay. I don't really know how to ask the question I asked in another way because I, I'm just not very Did much I, flexible I answer right it now. Or no? Not not really, <laughs> but I can't think of a good way to re-ask it because I just don't I mean So you're I may, saying there's I'm a chance. Just, 
<laughs> I'm saying there's a chance if it's like at high noon or one, but at this point, even though I am not defeated by the day, I don't have the mental flexibility. Oh man. That yeah. is funny. More people should talk about high noon, obviously. High noon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that was really, that was really interesting. I'm thinking about some of that yeah. like for my own kids as well, obviously. It's a whole, like, a lot of these things, um, I think, take a lot more continuing education, and they're feeding specialists who do tons and tons of courses on this and um, really know a ton about it. And I don't. I just, I can, like, kind of scratch barely yeah. the surface, and I yeah. refer out. Yeah, I get that. There's definitely things like that with me, too. I mean, we can't know all But things, I definitely right? try to, like... I, if it's a, I try to look very general. How is the brain processing information? And mm-hmm. then after I've gone through that, then I will refer. So if a child comes to me, you know, I don't want to be treating them from my perspective and also refer them to the same time as a feeding specialist. This is just how I work because I, I think that I want to see the change for how the brain is processing information and and what we can do in terms of that generalized approach before Mm -hmm. going to like specifics with the oral stuff okay that it um i don't think i that's just my approach yeah i mean it makes sense right um and it's also probably kind of hard to find people who only do feeding stuff I mean, I would imagine you'd have to be kind of close to, like, a metropolitan area. So, the fact that... They're definitely more limited, but um, I'm sure I can look up a website. I just have been sort of, like, not really in the loop for the past couple months. But that's okay. People can Google it. Like, what would you tell people to Google if they wanted to find... Like, feeding OT. Feeding OT. Like, occupational therapist feeding. Okay. Okay. And then, hopefully, they'll find something. Um, okay. I don't have anything else I was going to ask or mention or comment upon. Do you have anything else? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I I think we're just so comprehensive and thorough. (laughs) We should, we should interview a feeding person at some point. Yes. Um, we're going to do an interview. It sounds like with the school to prison pipeline. Um, about the school to prison pipeline, which I think is really good when we're talking about yeah. systemic racism. I think that's one of one of the big places that uh, we need to like address. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that people aren't really aware of. So that'll be right. fun. We'll do we'll yeah. do that. Inter- not fun. That'll be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll, it'll be informative. It'll be informative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll do that probably like next week. Oh, um, I'm getting my nose fixed on Wednesday. So, okay. um, yeah, we'll have to think about that when we okay. schedule. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll record before then. Okay. You'll sound, like a, you'll sound weird for a while. Will I? Yeah. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it was nice to talk to you. It was, it was nice, nice to, to talk episode. to you as well. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. your relaxing time at the Poconos. It looks very, <laughs> rust- it looks very rustic where you're at. <laughs> it certainly does. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Talk to you later. Bye.